quiz time. Alrighty, hey guys, I'm Josh, I'm the Youth Minister, and it's my joy to speak to you from Matthew chapter 5 tonight. So, keep your Bibles open. If you don't have Bibles, bring them. If you have something to take down notes with, that'd be excellent, but up to you. Um, I wonder if you've ever thought about what it looks like to be a Christian in the world. So it's all good and proper to be a Christian here at church. It's quite easy, but when you go into school, I wonder what that looks like. I wonder if you've got maybe an image in mind for what that looks like. I've got some animals on the board that some people have used to describe their relationship uh, with the world. One of them is a chameleon, that actually being a Christian doesn't really change anything. They're able to just blend in and be just like everybody else. One of them is like a locust and like Christians and Christians just swarm everyone so that they are forced to hear about Jesus and put their trust in him. One of them is like an eagle where people are kind of like, I'm a Christian, so I get to look down on everybody else. Sometimes people might think a bit like that. Or maybe like a lion, that actually I'm going to be brave and empowered by the Lord Jesus and by what I know about him to be true. We're going to take some sort of weird political throne. Um, Some of these images are helpful. Some of these are drastically unhelpful. But I thought... It would help us start thinking, what does it look like for you to be a follower of Jesus in a world that doesn't love him? We're going to be thinking about that today, and we're going to be thinking about three things. If you're taking notes, these are the three things that you're going to be thinking about. Firstly, that Jesus is distinct because he fulfills the law. Secondly, that God requires and demands a distinct righteousness. And thirdly, that God's people are called to be distinct in the world. So firstly, Jesus is distinct because he fulfills the law. We had a look at Jesus last week, and we ideally look at Jesus every single week here at Christchurch Youth. He's a guy who lived 2,000 years ago. um, And as we've been reading through this book of Matthew, we're halfway through chapter 5 at the moment, but we're met with Jesus. We see this guy that is kind of like the fulfillment of a whole bunch of promises that have been made. This is what we see here. And we see this in verses 17 to 18. Can we have that on the slide? Thanks, Ben. Uh, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. This is what we see here. The law and the prophets is a summary of the Old Testament. If you hold up your physical Bible, can everyone do that for me, please? You'll see that we're like three pages into Matthew, which is three pages into the New Testament. And if you very delicately, of course, hold it like this to take care of it, you'll see that the Old Testament, there is a whole bunch of stuff there. There is Uh, 673 pages of Old Testament in this Bible compared to a lot less New Testament. And actually, one really cool thing about Jesus is that he is the fulfillment of everything that is in the Old Testament. Everything that is in the law and the prophets. A little bit of Bible 101, the Old Testament has three main functions. Here they are. Firstly, teaching about God and his character. That is, oh, next one, thanks man. Uh, teaches about who God is and what he has done. 
Secondly, the Old Testament has prophecy about the Messiah. That is, this promises, these promises leading towards an expected king. And thirdly, uh, the Old Testament shows God's people that he loves, how they are to live. Now, Jesus comes as the fulfillment to all of these. A guy in my scripture class a couple of years ago said that Jesus, the Old Testament is the hype train for Jesus to get everyone excited about what God is going to be doing in the world. Every single thing in all 39 books of the Old Testament point towards Jesus. And they point towards this man who didn't come to say they were pointless. No, he's come to fully and utterly fulfill them. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law either as part of that. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Jesus successfully completed everything that was in the law and understood it to his very being because he is distinct, because he is holy, because he is fully and completely and utterly righteous and he's the one that all the people back then were waiting for. Now, I haven't watched all of Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, hands up if you have. Excellent. Great. I'm like 11 episodes in, so please forgive me. I'm really, I'm really trying my best. Um, the Avatar is someone who uh, the people used to be waiting for. They were, they were told the Avatar is someone who could successfully bend or master the fire, the water, the earth, and the air. Uh, there are lots of prophecies about who this person would be and the character of what they would be like. And so then, episode one, we meet Aang. And the whole time throughout season one so far, as I've been watching, I've been thinking, is this him? It is, because I've read like a full plot synopsis. But is this him? Is this the guy that everyone has been waiting for? Is this the guy that all of these prophecies are pointing towards? Is this the guy that is going to embody the character of what we are waiting for? The people in the world of Avatar The Last Airbender are waiting not just for someone to fulfill these prophecies, but for someone to be the character of this leader that the Avatar is. Not just to tick all the boxes, but also to fully fulfill the heart of what is going on back then. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophecies and doesn't just tick the boxes, but is the fulfillment utterly to the heart of what is going on with the Old Testament. He knows what God was saying. He fully understands what God is saying. And he has completed what God was saying in the Old Testament. He is a man like no other. What a man. And so next, God, as a result of who Jesus is, requires a distinct righteousness. God requires a distinct righteousness. Can we go to verse 19 on the screen? Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. More righteous than the Pharisees. If you haven't been around church much, the Pharisees were these kind of top dog, uber, like uber religious people. They would do everything. They would never miss a week of church. They'd read their Bible every single day. They'd tick all of their boxes to make sure that they were just getting by, to make sure that they were going to be right with God because of what they'd done. Now, the Pharisees, in trying to be so, so, so good, fully missed the point. 
They fully missed a relationship with the God who knows them. And they were focused on their self instead of him. We're going to see over the next few weeks, Jesus attack some of the things that the Pharisees trusted in. But Jesus is saying that people need to have more righteousness than the Pharisees. And that might go go over our head. But that's impossible. You and I can't be more righteous than these guys. They've ticked all of the boxes. They've done all of the right stuff. So what Jesus is saying is an unachievable command. There is no way that any of us can actually be right with God. There's no way that any of us can actually have a full, complete righteousness greater than the Pharisees. Unless God does something about it. Unless God moves through history, through a man who came to die, who came to rise from the dead, who came and fulfilled everything that the law was pointing to so that people that trust in him can have life with God forever and be made completely and fully righteous. This is the promise of God. This is the promise of God to you and to I, that if we trust in Jesus, we can be called fully and utterly righteous, that God can give us his righteousness. And so as a result of all of that, God's people are called to be distinct. God's people are called to be distinct. You might have noticed as we were having the Bible reading, I only started really talking about the second half. We're going to go to the first half now, but I really wanted to make sure that we had what we were saying in the right order. I don't want to tell you to I don't want to tell you how to live without understanding why. Because the only reason that we want to follow God is because of what he has already done. The only reason that we should try and obey him is because who he has made us to be. And so it's understanding that we've been given righteousness that we then therefore want to live in a righteous way. And here's what uh, Jesus has to say about that from verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God's people are called, because of the righteousness they've been given, to stand out in the world, to be distinct. We're going to do a little activity now. Can I get my assistants to please escort some things to the front? And I will take one volunteer from each year group. I won't pick anyone, just one person from each year group. Come up the front. You will not be physically hurt. <laughs> just emotionally. Monty's laughing too much. Monty, I think Monty. I thought you weren't going to pick anyone. Yeah, I know, but you were laughing. <laughs> okay, more hustle from year 9 and year 10. Let's go. 9, year 10. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, Taylor. Yeah, Taylor. Yeah, Taylor. Woo! And you're nine. Who wants it? Just down here would be excellent. Thanks. Year nine. Year nine. Everyone look at your closest year nine and point at them and peer pressure them into coming up the front where they remarkable physically hurt. Noah! 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 That sounds like a chant for Noah. Yeah, Noah! Excellent. 
Okay, guys, what's going to happen is you are going to, and we're actually, we might just move that table forward just a little. Um, you are going to stand behind this table in year 9, year 10, year 11, and year 12, just like, just like this, and there are four cups of water. Nothing wrong will happen. Everyone stand. Go. Do the thing. Uh, what is going to happen is I'm going to count down from three in just a second, and you are going to down the entire cup of water. This is not a drinking game, this is an illustration. Okay, what is going to happen is we are going to count them down and they are going to down the entire cup of water. First one to finish wins. Right hand on the cup. Right hand on the cup, keep it on the table and it'll be bam. Okay, can we do that? Do we know what's going on? Yes, okay, everyone. Three, two, one. One of them had salt in it. Guess which one? It was Taylor's. Yeah, Taylor, great job. <laughs> it wasn't me, it was an illustration. I'm sorry, Taylor. Don't mind Josh. You want to go watch me out that? You definitely can. Um, the moral of the story is salt is distinct. You can tell when salt is in something. Um, I, the reason I got people to do that was so that we could actually see that the, the salt makes a difference. The salt stands out and the salt can't just blend in with everything else. As Christians, we've been given righteousness from God that makes us distinct. And we can't just try and blend in and be like everybody else. I have a vivid memory when I was on a camp in year eight one time. Uh, it was my school Christian lunch lunchtime group camp, and we were kind of, at, it was at, towards the end of the camp, we were brainstorming ways that we could pray for our group. And I suggested something like, oh, how about we pray that we'd be more cool so people would like us so then they could hear about Jesus. And I have this memory that my leader said, no, Josh, you've missed the point. You're called as a follower of Jesus to stand out from the world. It's like, whoa, and it got me. We're called as followers of Jesus to stand out from the world. And that'll mean not being as cool. That'll mean doing things that are different. Doing things that seem stupid to every single person around you. Back to the question from the start, Christians are not meant to be chameleons. We're not meant to fit in. We are different. We have been given a righteousness from the distinct creator, God of the entire universe. We can't just kind of hide away and keep that to ourselves. Summer camp was excellent. Hands up if you went on summer camp. Great job. That was so many of you. If you weren't there, that's okay. You can come on the next camp, which will be winter camp, or the Year 12 school leavers trip if you're in Year 12. Um, we had the best time ever. And it would have been so nice to just stay there forever, right? To just stay as God's people gathered around God's word forever. But we can't do that. We have been placed in this world to share the message of Jesus, to model what it looks like to love God, to be distinct, to be salt and to be light, to be salt and, and preserve the life that is on this weird planet, uh, to, to make a difference and to be light, to speak the goodness of God into the darkness of this world. Guys, we're called to shine bright for Jesus. Model the characteristics that we see in the um, verses just before this, from verses 3 to 12. 
Be meek. Love God and others. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Be merciful. Be peacemakers. Be kind. Be loving. Welcome all people. Even if it might hurt. And even if it might be awkward. Guys, it's getting harder and harder to be a Christian in this world. The busyness of life and the pressure from school, even now, it's hard to cling to what the Bible has to say. And sometimes Christians are seen as outdated, archaic bigots when we hold to what God says about something like sexuality. And telling people that the world doesn't actually revolve around them is some kind of revolutionary idea. Being kind and patient is seen as being weak and lazy. Respecting and submitting to leaders is seen as an absolute joke. Holding hope that God will bring true justice about this world is more and more difficult the harder it gets. Guys, it's into these situations that we have a a chance to be distinct, to stand out, to be salt and to be light. We can humbly speak the beautiful truth of Jesus and live that out as well. Look at how many people are in this room. I counted 70-something youth earlier, as well as leaders. Can you imagine how cool it would be if there were 85, like 85 people shining brightly for Jesus on the North Shore of Sydney? 85 people who look different. 85 people who, when, when the world sees you, goes, wow, they are different because they have something I don't have. They have a distinct righteousness given to them by God. Guys, we've been given this distinct righteousness and we need to be distinct in the world around us. And so let's do it. I'm going to share, about, share quickly about one of my friends who does. This is Jake and his wife, Claire, who is not my fiance, Claire. They're different people. Um, Jake is someone who loves Jesus. I served in youth ministry with him at my old church uh, for a good three years or so. Uh, when he uses his time to serve at youth at church, he gets laughed at by the people that he used to work with. But he knows that he is distinct and that he is serving a distinctly righteous God. When he is at a party and everyone is getting hammered and doing unhelpful things, he obviously doesn't participate in what's going on so that he can be distinct. He sticks around and he helps clean up. And he is patient and kind to people that are not to him because he is distinct. And he serves a distinctly righteous God. When he gave up an excellently well-paying engineering job so that he could learn how to be a minister at the uni that he went to, people had no clue why that would be. But he did so because he is distinct. And he serves a distinctly righteous God. And as Jake has battled with health problems over the last couple of years, he knows and he clings to the certain hope of the news of Jesus, which is so distinct from a world that has no hope like it. Because he is distinct and he serves a distinctly righteous God. Guys, the God of the universe has made Jake righteous in Jesus. He has made you righteous in Jesus. Let us stand out for him as his distinct people. I'm going to ask he would help us do so. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for your righteousness. We thank you for your holiness. We praise you for how perfect you are. And we recognize, Lord, that we are not perfect. But we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you for giving us your righteousness in Jesus. 
We thank you that he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And we ask, Lord, that because of this, we would stand out in this world. That we would stand out in a world that does not know you. That we would do so knowing that we are serving you, a distinctly righteous God. Please help us to do so in your name. Amen. Amen.